You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. Amen. We, we started uh, last week talking about peace, and I'll kind of give you how I came across this. Like two weeks ago, during the week, I was reading in Colossians. We had just gotten done with Easter, and as I was reading in Colossians, and I might have even used one of the scriptures uh, during the Easter service, I um, was reading Colossians 1, verse 20, where it talks about, we have received peace through the death on the cross. And as I was thinking about that, and possibly preaching something out of Colossians, my mind and the Holy Spirit brought me to in Luke, where the angels showed up and they start declaring glory to God in the highest and peace on goodwill to, to men. And I thought, so peace was declared at Jesus' birth and peace was declared at his death. And then in Isaiah, it talks about how he's the prince of peace. So before he was even on the earth, he was already given the title. He was already given the name of peace. And before that even happened, God spoke uh, to, um, oh Lord, help me bring it back to him, Gideon in Judges. And he declared himself, his name was known as the God of peace. And then... Uh, I came across this scripture in Psalms, which is the, the scripture that we've kind of been talking about last, last week and specifically this week. Psalms 34 verse 14 says, depart from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. But as I was studying, there was a scripture that I found when it was talking about an unrighteous man, a deceitful man that, that Paul was referencing from Romans, and he was referencing from a scripture that was found in Psalms. And if we could go back, uh, Romans chapter 4, chapter 3, verse 17 says, And the way of peace they have not known. The way of peace they have not known. Now, he's talking and he's referencing uh, a, a scripture, a group of scriptures Paul is uh, that's way back in Psalms, and he's talking about specifically uh, a deceitful man, a righteous man. Uh, we know that that we are no longer sinners. We are righteous as we believe on Jesus and believe on his gospel message. But this phrase stuck out to me that there are plenty of people, whether inside the church or outside the church, or that are with God or against God, that don't know the way of peace. That there is a way, there is a walkway, there is a path that I can walk, whether I'm at the, the, the peak of the mountain or I'm in the death valley, like it says in Psalms 23. There is a way of peace, and we as Christians, we as God followers, we as sons and daughters of the Most High God, should be walking and operating on that way of peace, whether good, bad, or ugly. We talked about tribulation. Tribulation's going to come. That's what Jesus said. But be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. He is the God of peace. And so we want to make the way of peace known to us today. So no matter what I go through in life, I've got peace to work through it, to overcome it, to come out on the other side. So many people have been caught up in the storm and they've gone down with the ship instead of standing on the ship of their life saying, peace be still. And your life has spiraled with that boat. If we're using the same story of Jesus and the disciples, as the storm is hitting, you're trying to bail the water out. You're trying to do everything that you can, and nothing is fixing the problem while Jesus is in the boat. 
And the last thing we do, like the disciples, we go run to Jesus and wake him up. And what do we do? Do you even care? Do you even know what's going on? Do you even see what's happening? And the first thing we should do is remember that Jesus told the disciples, we're going to the other side. Even if this boat breaks apart, we're going to the other side. Jesus can walk on water. He can fix the boat. He can raise the dead. He can heal the sick. Either way, we're going to the other side. And I want to encourage you today, as Christians, either way, whatever storm you're in, whatever tribulation you're in, whatever struggle you're in, you're going to the other side because the way of peace is known to you. People out there, they don't know the way of peace, so they're looking for worldly peace. They're looking for it in, in, in different ways. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, that's the way to go. The highway to hell, right? It's a temporary peace. It might, it might help you for the time being, but it will always leave you empty. And there is a way of peace that we should know. And it starts, like we said in Psalms 34, verse 14, seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. In the Hebrew language, that word seek means to search out by any method, specifically in worship or prayer? The answer is right there. How should I seek peace? Search it out by any method, specifically in worship or prayer. It means to strive after, to ask, to desire, to inquire, to request, or require. To strive after. With kids in our house, uh, a continual theme is that we never have the remote. We never have the remote. But I don't know that until I start looking for the remote. I don't know that the remote is lost until I'm tired of hearing Blippy or Sesame Street or Bluey. We've got to turn this off. There's no kids in the house. They're outside playing. They've been playing for hours. And all I hear is Bluey's voice over and over. We've got to turn this off. But I didn't know the remote was lost until I started looking for it. I didn't know that it was gone. I'm not just going to be walking through and stumble across the remote. I have to be intentional about finding the remote. When I realize it's lost, I've got to be intentional. But so many people, when they lose peace, they don't look for it. They're not intentional seeking after it. They seek after other things to resolve their problems, to resolve their issue, and they never find ultimate peace when they're searching for something else. You're not just going to stumble into peace as you walk through life. You have to strive after it. You have to desire it, search it, find it. The world will hand out a temporary peace that will leave you unfulfilled, so you have to search out and pursue God's peace. Seek peace and pursue it. That word pursue means to run after, usually with hostile intent. To chase, to follow after, or to hunt. That's how Maddie went after me. She knew I, I was a catch as a husband. She ran after me with hostile intent. Right, babe? There we go. Don't lie in church. To chase, to follow, to hunt. I'm always on the hunt. People out there are always on the hunt for something to fulfill them, to give them excitement. 
That's why we have X Games. That's why we have drugs. That's why we have skydiving. We're always looking and hunting the next excitement. That's why when we're on our phone, we can't stop scrolling one picture after the next, after the next, after the next. I need to stop. I need to do something. I've been on Facebook, Instagram, social media, but I keep scrolling because they know that there's a hunt of what if I miss something? What if I, what if I, 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 I miss a good video? What if I, I miss a post? What if I miss something? That there's something in our nature that we want to hunt. Amen? And it says here that we need to seek after peace and then pursue it. That we're not just going to stumble across God's peace. I'm looking for it. I might stumble into a temporary worldly peace, but I have to be intentional about I'm in a situation right here and I need your peace, God. I told y'all last week, that tribulation was going to come, an annoyance was going to come, something was probably going to happen this week, and hopefully my voice would resound in your ear about pursuing peace. Maddie ordered some, uh, some outside lawn furniture, and it got delivered while she was gone, and so I thought, well, I'll put it together real quick before she gets home and surprise her. We had pressure washed, uh, used Mr. Jim's pressure washer and pressure washed some of the backyard sidewalk stuff. It's amazing what's been caked on that cement for like 30, 40 years and the beautiful concrete that was hidden underneath it when I got this power washer to just blow away all the junk. So I open up the box, not realizing uh, what all she bought. And I start opening it, and the way that they packaged it was terrible. They had styrofoam all around it. Uh, the screws were out of the box, and they were just floating in the box on these wooden pieces. And so I start taking them out. But on every piece of furniture that I have to assemble has the little white fleck things of, uh, of the thing. And, and so we clean the backyard, and as I'm pulling them out, these flecks are just flying everywhere. They're stuck to my hands. And it's just me and Noah's right there, and I'm about to lose it. I am about to say words that don't start with holy, that don't start with good thought. They, I, I'm, I'm about to throw this new furniture equipment. I'm like, well, I have to get these white sticky things off of there. So if I throw it across the yard, it, the aerodynamics, I can convince Maddie that I was trying to clean them. And as I'm starting to... to get agitated, and this little tribulation occurred in the backyard, I heard my own voice preaching to y'all and saying, you're going to have a tribulation this week, and you need to stop and ask for peace. And I said, I hate that pastor. I don't, I don't like that guy at all. And I put the piece of the wood down right there, and I said, Lord, I need peace right now, because I could go angry mode, I could throw things, I could break things, my son's here watching, I could say things, and God, I need your peace right now. Didn't make the situation any easier, I'm still wiping off all the styrofoam, it's floating around the house, but I was able to assemble this furniture, although after I assembled it, Maddie told me it was wrong, <laughs> then I lost my piece again, no, I'm joking, but I was able to put it 
together and calm myself down. How do I seek peace and pursue it? Psalms 119, verse 165. Did y'all even know there was a verse 165? That's crazy. Um, Great peace, look at this, not just peace, but great peace have those who love your law. And look at that. And nothing, and nothing causes them to stumble. Wow. What if? What if that was my reality? What if that was your reality? Are you tired of stumbling? Are you tired of falling? Are you tired of getting caught up in temporary peace or just trying to deal with life and not having an answer, not having a way to cope with what's going on in the world? It says not just any peace, but great peace can be found when you study and you love the Word of God. Jesus' name is Prince of Peace. He is the Word that became flesh, who then went up to heaven, which then became the Bible, the Word of God. It's always been about Jesus. And the more that we consume the Word of God the more great peace you will find, the more great peace you'll pursue, the more great peace will help you. There's three types of peace that I want to encourage you to seek and pursue. Number one, peace with God. Number two, peace with myself. And number three, peace with others. Peace with God, peace with myself, and peace with others. Let's talk about peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. We are going to talk about peace, not from the dictionary, not from some self-help book. We're going to follow Psalms 119, 165. It says that great peace will come upon you for those that love the law. So what I'm going to do is tell you about peace through the Word of God to help you not stumble. If I just stood up here and told you, here are the seven ways that you can get rid of peace or gain peace, It wouldn't be helpful, but I want to show you in the Word that it says great peace can happen when you love this Word. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, I might not have that up there. I might have missed that one. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It always has been. It always will be about Jesus. Peter, Paul, they all talk about it. The only thing that I want you to know is that I'm coming to preach Christ and him crucified. It's what Peter, it's what Paul talks about over and over and over again. He talks about the cross. He talks about Jesus. And he's talking about it in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith. What's that look like? I've been justified by faith, which means I've been justified by my belief And what am I believing? I'm believing specifically that I have peace with God. How? Through Jesus and through his gospel message. There's a theme that is spoken throughout Paul's writing when he's talking about Abraham. And it's found in Genesis chapter 15, I believe verse 6. Abraham is having an encounter with God. And it's before he's circumcised. He's still uncircumcised. And it says, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him, it was credited to him as righteous. And it's something that Paul is 
encouraged by Jesus to write to the Gentile church, us, the uncircumcised church. We aren't Jewish, we're Gentiles. And he talks about it over and over and over again, that Abraham believed and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And that is the same way that you will be made righteous, is by simply believing in Jesus. Having been justified by faith, what does that look like? I've had made peace with God. I could not do it on my own. There's no way that I could have peace with God, especially as a Gentile. Wasn't even allowed to follow the law. Wasn't even under the law. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. That word peace, we've talked about this many times. One of my favorite words in the Greek, erene, E-I-R-E-N-E. A state of national tranquility. The exemption and the end from the rage and the havoc of war. Peace between individuals. Harmony. Quietness. Rest. Security. Safety. And one of the definitions of peace simply says the Messiah's peace. That sums it up. That's, that's a pretty good peace that I want. The great peace the Messiah's peace, but what I really like is the end and the exemption from the rage and the havoc of war. God's no longer mad, no longer mad at humanity. He got mad at Jesus. He took out all, everything that he could on Jesus so that he could pour out all of his love on humanity. He would not be a just God if he took out all his anger and all his wrath on his son and then decided he needed to take out some wrath on the, on the humans. If I'm Jesus, I'm going to go to my father and be like, that's not a very good dad move. You took out everything on me and I said it was finished and you agreed with me, but somehow you got to send a hurricane to New Orleans to clean up Bourbon Street. You got to send an earthquake to California. You've got to send some tornadoes through Oklahoma because they have a casino? No, no, no. That's not who God is. God took out all of his anger and all of his wrath. And what Jesus did appeased God. It is finished was good enough for God. If it's good enough for God, it's good enough for me. The end of rage and havoc of war, the Messiah's peace is available now. The peace with God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 says that at the time... You were without Christ. Oh, praise God. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Glory to God. And strangers from the covenants of promise. Woo, this is a great scripture here. Look at this. Getting better. Having no hope and without God in the world. Boy, praise God. That's a good scripture right there. Get that tattooed on your shoulder. I'm an alien. I'm a stranger. I've got no hope. But look at the start of verse 13. You know your pastor gets real excited when he sees one phrase, but he gets excited when he sees another word, now. But when, but, and now come together, hold on for your horses. We're about to go for a ride, boys and girls. Because that preposition, is that what but is? Not a preposition. Do I have any English people here? No, but I think it's a preposition. I got the mic. We'll go with it. But you can say whatever you want. But as soon as someone says, but, it negates all that, right? Yeah. 
You look great today. I love your hair. I love your outfit. Love your pants. Love your shoes. But <laughs> the meal was great, babe. It was so amazing. The steak was cooked perfect. The salad was delicious. All the sides were amazing. The dessert was so sweet. The coffee afterwards was great, but the bread was dry. What do you think my wife heard? Everything that came after. So let's go back to verse 12, because but negates everything that comes before the word but. And at the time you were without Christ. But that means now I'm with Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, no longer an alien, no longer a stranger from the covenants of promise, now I have hope, and now I am with God in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you, talking about me, talking about you, who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we talked about this scripture last week, verse 14, look at the very next thing he says, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one with God. He made peace with God. We couldn't do it on our own, so he said, I'll do it myself. And he's broken down the middle wall of separation. I can walk boldly into the throne room of grace. In verse 17, jumping down, it says, and he came again. He is our peace, so therefore peace came. And what did peace preach? The only thing that he knows, peace, baby. The Messiah's peace, rest, friendship, all the things that you need to help you. He preached peace to those who were far off. That was me and that was you. And to those who were near, talking about the Jewish people. There's a war going on right now between Ukraine and Russia. And you hear in the news about how these soldiers, specifically the Russian soldiers, whether you believe the news or not, the Russian soldiers don't want to fight. They don't want to go fight this war. Some of them are killing themselves some of them are having their spouses break their legs so they can't go fight. Now, some of your spouses would probably sign up for that. Oh, yeah, there's a war? Yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll help you not go to it. But these soldiers are still fighting, the Ukraine soldiers, the Russian soldiers. And if a Ukraine soldier gets up in the middle of the fight and says, hey, guys, I want to have peace, what are the Russian soldiers going to do? They're not going to offer him peace. The Russian soldiers, they, they yell across, hey, guys, let's stop fighting. The war's still going on. And there are soldiers that are now, right now, begging for peace. They want to see their families. They want to see their children. They don't want to see their towns and their communities ravaged by war. They're asking for a rene peace, the end of the havoc of war. But they can't do it on their own. There has to be someone higher up, like a president, of the nation to declare peace. For the peace to be dispersed throughout the whole nation. There has to be somebody bigger. Although, there's these individual people. They're begging for peace. They're crying out for peace. They're wanting peace. They cannot have peace with until somebody higher steps in. 
Each and every one of us have been begging for peace. We've been looking for a way to connect ourselves with God, and we couldn't do it because we weren't big enough, we weren't strong enough. And so God himself is big enough to say, I'll interject and I'll bring the peace. And when he said it was time for peace, he dispersed the peace throughout everyone who asked for it. To each and every one of us, someone bigger. You had no way to establish peace with God, so someone bigger had to intervene and declare peace. A state of national tranquility in the end and the rage and the havoc of war. Right now, you have peace with God. Amen? We were driving back. Me and the kids were driving back from the dump yesterday. And I was throwing some bags in the trash. And I got Noah to get out. And we had some cardboard boxes. And I told him, just put the cardboard boxes in that over there. And Eliza said, I want to get out. And I said, no. I said, you're too little. Stay in the car. So Noah does, and he throws it in. I throw my bags in. We get in the car, and we're driving out. And I hear this little, little baby voice in the back. And she goes, Dad, why, why couldn't I get out and throw trash? I said, well, baby, let's, I'll throw you in the trash. Let's go. I mean, I, was, I said, let's go. And, and I, said, I said, well, babe, I said, I said you're, you're too little to, to reach the trash. I said, I said, the trash cans are so big. I said, you're too little to reach the trash. And she said, well, Daddy, she said, maybe you could reach me up and I could throw the trash away next time. I said, baby, I'm going to go get trash now. Let's go and <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll throw whatever in there. But it's the same thing. I had all this trash and this sin and this stuff in my life, and I wanted to throw it away. I wanted to get rid of it. I wanted to let it go, and I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't reach up high enough, and I had to ask my daddy, well, daddy, can you, can you reach me up to, to throw the trash away? And he said, yeah, come on, I'll do it. I'll take that trash. You don't even have to do it yourself. Just give it to me, and I'll take care of the trash in your life. And some of you don't, rem don't understand how much peace with God you have. And it's time to offer up that trash to God because he wants to reach you up to a higher level and take that trash out of your life and give you peace. Peace with myself. You have peace with God. Peace with myself. When we were in Dallas, I was uh, working a job. Maddie was pregnant. We were doing stuff with the church and running and blowing and going. It was our first kid. And we, I wasn't making enough money, and, and we, our insurance was about to end because she was about to quit her job, and we were trying to figure this out. And there was this time period. The job, it, it, it was a, kind of a stressful job, and it wasn't what I wanted in all reality. I wanted to be in ministry. I wanted to be preaching. I wanted to be doing all these things. And I started having these panic attacks. I started having these massive anxiety attacks. And you've probably had them before where you get that feeling, that heavy feeling in your chest and, and you can't breathe. And you can't sleep at night because you don't want to wake up and go deal with tomorrow. Started taking sleeping pills and Benadryl or whatever that would knock me out because it was an early morning job. I had to be up at three and be at the, the job by four and, and, and be on the road uh, before traffic hit and stuff like that. And and so I would just stay awake. And if I stood, if I if was awake long enough, then I didn't have to wake up the next morning and go to the job and deal with everything that was going on. Started having these things. And Maddie would encourage me and talk to me and pray over me. 
and it's something that had never happened before. I just didn't have peace with myself. I couldn't figure it out. I was trying to break free of what it was. And I'd be driving there in the middle of the night, three in the morning, wherever I was going, trying to pray, can't breathe, can't talk, crying like a baby. And I'm like, what is going on with me? What is happening, God? Where are you? What's going on? What's happening? And we have the scripture up here, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, is the only scripture and really the only thing that I could say. And this probably happened for a couple weeks, maybe a month. But as I'd hold on to that steering wheel, I said, this is the only thing that can save me. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to come out of this. I don't know how to deal with this. But this scripture changed my life to where I've never had one of those panic attacks ever again. As I was gripping the wheel, I would say, I'll be anxious for nothing. But in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, I'll make my request known to God. And verse 7 says, and the peace of God. That surpasses all understanding. I didn't understand why I was dealing with these things, why I couldn't sleep, why I was having these anxiety attacks, why there was no peace with myself. But the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it's going to guard my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I need you, Jesus, to guard my heart and my mind and help me through this season. And I ended up quitting that job. Maddie had the baby, and she quit her job. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to quit this job, quit the job. I had peace about it. I thought, you know what, we are going to step into a season of abundance. God is going to show himself mighty. It's going to be great. We're going to have miracle signs and wonders happening. I quit my job. A month later, she quit. We had the baby, and I did not find a job for the next 10 months. And I stepped out of one season into another shadow of the valley of this. And I was in the shower being like, God, what is going on here? I thought we just broke through something. But the job that I have is the job that I still have. If I've had favor over and over and over again with that job. And how in those 10 months, I wish I would have written them down, but I didn't. We always had gas in our car, we always had food in our fridge, and our bills were always paid. For 10 months, we had no money coming in. I don't, I literally don't know how it happened. Because God was faithful. Because I learned in the previous season to have peace with God and to have peace with myself. Didn't mean the next season was any easier, but we walked through it easier than I did in that previous season. That you need to learn to have peace within yourself. To help on your journey through life. In in Isaiah 28 verse 3. I'm sorry, 26. 26 verse 3. It says, you will keep him. God will keep you in perfect peace. Not just regular peace. Not just some throwaway peace. Do we have any peace left for those people in Williston? Oh, we got some, like, it's kind of moldy. Well, just shake off it and, and give it to the people in Williston. We, we got we to gotta hit the major cities first. We got to hit the big churches first. No, no, no. God says he will keep you in perfect peace. How? Whose mind is stayed on you because you trust in him. It's so easy when there is no peace for our mind to race and wonder, right? Well, how can I fix it? Well, it's my spouse's fault. 
It's my job's fault. It's my family's fault. It's my pastor's fault. It's my dog's fault. It's whoever else's fault. It's so easy for our mind just to wander and run and further stoke the chaos of what's going on in your life. Keep you in perfect peace. How do you keep perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you? And this is a scripture to help you and that I pray over us and our kids every night. Psalms 4, verse 8. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, Lord, is where we dwell in safety. Because when you don't have peace is usually when you don't have sleep. Because you're not at peace with yourself and your mind is wandering. And you've got to figure out a temporary peace. Well, I'll take pills. I'll drink a whole bottle. I'll just stay up all night and veg out on Netflix until I fall asleep. That we use all these other avenues to help us overcome our lack of peace within ourselves. You have peace with God, and when you have peace with God, it can help you have peace with yourself to help calm your mind, even in the craziest of chaos of situations, and to help you sleep. I will lie down in peace and sleep because I know that the Lord keeps me in his safety. He'll keep me safe. Peace with myself. And lastly, peace with others. Peace with others. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. We've talked about this scripture last week as well. Pursue peace. Look at this. With what people? All people. Sorry about it. I didn't write it. You just get to read it and deal with it now. And holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace with all people. And then Paul writes again to Romans chapter 12, verse 16. If it's possible, not always possible, but if it's possible, look at this. As much as it depends on that person and their attitude and how they talk to me and how they tweet at me and how they text me. No, no, no. If it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men with all men. We're just in this church. We have different people, different ages, different races, different beliefs, different time frames that we've grown up. There's so many differences that we could sit down and talk and there'd probably be more differences in how we grew up and how we changed, but it's one central focus in the church is it's about Jesus and that's what unifies us. That's how the church is so strong. When we all focus on Jesus, we all come together and put our differences aside to focus on him to accomplish one cause. It doesn't happen out there. As soon as we see one difference, we want to stand on our high horse and rant and rave. And it says, if it's possible, do everything that you can, live peaceably with all men and all women. It's not going to always be possible, but do what you can. Pastor John and his wife taught us this. Pastor Eric and Heather, they taught us this same thing as well. Pastor Derek and Jen, Pastor Eric's sister, taught us this thing as well. Which Pastor Derek and uh, Pastor Jen, they're going to be here uh, the week of July 4th. Um, so before you go on your July 4th adventures, that Sunday, uh, they're going to be in town and preaching. I believe it's July 2nd um, is the date that we finally we got them. So we're going uh, to have them here with us. Uh, I'm excited to have them here and, and show them. So... Mark that way down your calendar, but I uh, wanted to let y'all know that. But they taught us this. 
that, number one, we've all heard of burning bridges. But don't let the bridge burn, one, because of you. But if the bridge is going to burn, what you need to do is throw as much water on that bridge as you're backing away. If at all possible, live peaceably with people. Because it says, if we can go back to the previous scripture, Hebrews 12, verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. If you just let a bridge burn with somebody and watch them just burn it all down, I'll never talk to them again. I'll never deal with them. I'll never do, I've got nothing good to say to them. It's burned. You'll never have a relationship with them. But if I try and live peaceably with them, there might be a chance that they'll see the Lord. There might be a chance that they see the Lord in. So Pastor John always taught us as pastors and as ministers, people in the church are going to come and go. And to have an open heart, let people come in, love them while they're here. And when the Lord tells them to go, let them go. But some people are going to leave and they're not going to be the happiest. They're going to try and burn things down. They're going to try and burn the church down. They're going to try and burn your family down. And as ministers, don't start the bridge. Don't burn the bridge. And if they decide to burn the bridge, then as a pastor, I need to throw as much water as I can, as much peace as I can. I love you. I'm sorry we don't agree. I'm sorry that it didn't work out the way we thought it was going to work out. I, God loves you. Hopefully we can re reconnect later on in life. But in all aspects... Throw water on that bridge and try and live peaceably with all men. Peace with God, peace with myself, and peace with others. As I'm finishing, tribulation is coming at some point in all of our lives. But we know now the way of peace, right? We see the way of peace. We know the way of peace. We're not going to walk away from it and we'll search after it and pursue it. If you read the writings of Paul, if you read the writings of Peter, if you read the writings of James and John and Jude, you'll see a continual theme as they are opening their passage and as they're ending their passage, especially Paul. Paul says what? I greet you with grace and peace in our Father or in our Lord Jesus Christ. There's something that Paul just can't get over, that when he starts a, a writing to a church, he he speaks grace and peace upon them. When he finishes a writing, he speaks grace and peace upon them. John writes it. Peter writes it. James writes it. Jude writes it. Go and read their books, and you'll see grace and peace, grace and peace over and over again that they are giving to the people. So if it's important to the writers of the scriptures, then it should be important to us because it says when we love the law, when we love the word of God, great peace is given to us. And we won't stumble. You want a better life, then remember, God is not mad at you. He's made peace with you through his son. Number two, God wants to help bring internal peace to your body, mind, and spirit to help you. And number three, God wants you to live peaceably with his other creation walking the planet. Two more scriptures and I'm done. Romans 16, verse 20. I love this scripture. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. At the cross, he crushed Satan's head 
right now in this moment, he's crushing Satan's head. And in the near future, when we get called up to heaven and all this stuff ends, he's throwing that dumb devil into the pits of hell for eternity. And the God of peace, he's peaceful to everybody else except for this one stupid little fella. And he's going to crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. The last scripture I have is the prayer of your pastor's heart for each and every one of you in Psalms 29 verse 11. I pray that the Lord will give you strength and that the Lord will bless you with peace. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up as we get ready to go. Peace. Peace to your situation in Jesus' name. Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, the Prince of peace, I pray over these people right now. Father, I ask you to give strength to your people right now. Father, I ask you to bless your people with peace, no matter what situation they're in. God, I know you didn't cause it, but I know that you have the answer to help bring them through it. And while they're still in the middle of the storm, Father, I ask for them to be reminded to seek out, search out, and pursue your peace, the Messiah's peace in our lives, the rest and the security, the end of the rage of the havoc of war in our lives. Father, I thank you that through your Son and believing on faith in your Son, we have peace with you today. We can call you Abba Father. We can ask you for help. We can receive your covenant promise, blessings, and benefits. Father, I think the hardest one is we need help having peace with ourselves. So many people are struggling with issues in their mind, in their bodies, in their day-to-days, and they're not handling it good, let's be honest. They're pursuing a different type of peace other than what you have for them. So Father, I ask you to help each and every person here, Holy Spirit, be their comforter, Jesus, be their Prince of Peace. Jesus, like it says in Ephesians 4, 17, teach them, preach to them about peace to help them on their day to day. And Father, also, lastly, help us have peace with others. In a world that is so caught up in anger, so caught up in fighting each other, so caught up in coming against each other, so caught up in our own prideful thoughts and truths, and this is my way, and you're going down the other highway, Father. I ask you to help us have peace with others so that they could see God, so that they could see you. They might not see God any other way except when I decide to have peace with others. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that they love your word. And when they love your word, they don't stumble and they have great peace in their lives. Father, I pray the word of God over them right now to give them peace in their bodies. That by Jesus' stripes, they are healed. Their body is the temple of the Most High God. You delight in healing your people. And these are your people, so delight in them and heal them in the name of Jesus. Father, I speak great peace over their finances. Father, they are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and they're blessed in the field. They are blessed everywhere they go and everything they put their hands to must prosper because they have the favor of God. It surrounds them like a shield and they have favor with God and man. Father, I thank you that they have peace with others, that they are the salt and light of the earth, a city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. They will go out and diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere they go. 
Father, I thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders, testimonies about peace resonating in their lives. Father, I thank you that tonight they will all lie down in peace and sleep. They will have sweet sleep. They might not have slept in months and months and years and years, Father. But tonight, Holy Spirit, you visit their room and give them sweet sleep and give them safety. Father, I thank you that you bless them, protect them, cause them to prosper in everything they do, and bless them with your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for your time, and we'll see you all next Sunday. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.